Hello and welcome back. It's time for another episode of Spookified. If it's your first time listening, what we do is feature a city and talk about their most famous haunted locations. I'm here with my wife, Christine. Hi. And on this episode, we are talking about Alexandria, Virginia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This will be the first part of a two-part episode on Alexandria. Two-parter. Two-parter. Let's go. In our last episode, we talked about Detroit, and my story about the Eloise Asylum was rated highest, so I get to pick the beer we drink tonight. Yes. So. Tell us. What is this? Tonight, we're, I was reaching back in the beer fridge, <laughs> <laughs> and I pulled out a Goose Island Bourbon County edition. These are quite special. Fancy. Yeah. So this was from 2020, and I just never got around to drinking it. Yeah. But this stuff is pretty good. I have, I can't remember if I've had this one before, but I it's haven't. a different, they, they come out with a few variants every year, like around Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, but this one is made with tea from uh, Kilogram Tea, and they also have kilogram tea excuse me but it's a it's basically a stout aged in bourbon barrels blended with earl gray tea black tea and honey Mm -mm. actually that doesn't sound good to me (laughs) but let's do it you don't like tea i don't like tea and i don't like barrel aged stouts that's really what's getting you but let's try it let's see maybe i'll change my mind oh that was a weird one that was so weak that was a little better. Oh, whatever. These glasses. This we busted glasses. out fancy glasses for those. And they obviously aren't expensive. <laughs> no. All right. Ready? Ready. Cheers. Cheers. Thoughts? Um, kind of <laughs> what I thought it would be. <laughs> it's strong. Yeah. But it's good. It's good. I think it has good flavor to it. It's a little, bo- it's definitely boozy. Yeah, I'm going to go in for another sip. All right, go for it. <laughs> I, I like it a lot. I can taste the tea. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I like tea. I'm a tea, I'm a tea guy. I can taste the I'm tea. I'm a tea guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Are you? Never seen you drink tea. Yeah, because we don't have it here. Because tea is disgusting and it just makes you pee your pants. Have you ever had an Arnold Palmer? Yeah, it's gross. All right, whatever. <laughs> I don't like any tea at whatsoever. Not even the sugary shit at McDonald's. Dang. You don't even like freaking brisk? That's brisk, baby? No. That is not even tea. That's just nasty. Nasty? No. Golly. All right. But, I mean, this is... All right. <laughs> Woo. Think less of you now, but it's okay. coming up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just of all um, the British period pieces you watch, <laughs> you don't even give tea a, a I chance. I know. If I did like a reenactment thing, phew, I'd be like, just give me the coffee. They drink <laughs> coffee too. Just your tea would probably be filled with a lot of milk. Oh, so much milk to drown out the tea flavor. Mm-hmm. It like smells weird to me when I drink tea. The only time I drink it is if I'm sick. Because it just seems, I don't know, I guess I grew up Maybe that. that's why you don't like it, because it reminds you of being sick. Maybe, or it's the smell of it, which I also don't like. Or it's that, or the <laughs> taste. I don't know. The taste <laughs> is not good to me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I do like this, though. Okay. It's pretty tasty. I'm glad you like it. That's what you get when you don't win. I know. You drink Damn. my beers, but okay, let's... Let's get a little introduction to Alexandria because okay. I'm excited to hear about Are it. Are you? Yes. Well, coming at you. <laughs> <laughs> the city of Alexandria was founded in 1749 and was named after Scotsman John Alexander. Okay. Good start. <laughs> <laughs> The city is known today for being the hometown of George Washington. Oh, yeah. Quite important guy, that guy. Yeah. He's not he wasn't born there or anything, but he like made it his home. I got I you. Like an acquired hometown, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
George Washington owned a townhouse in Old Town and then built his estate just south of the city in Mount Vernon. No Mount Vernon. Vernon. I said Vernon. <laughs> Vernon. <laughs> Alexander. No. This beer's getting to <laughs> me already. Vernon. <laughs> Alexander was also a part of D.C. when the state of Virginia granted a portion of territory to the federal government in 1801. Unfortunately, the only thing Alexandria could offer was something abolitionists in D.C. were looking to abolish. And that was slavery. Ooh. Yeah. At the time, Alexandria was one of the largest domestic slave trading ports in the United States. Dang, rough start. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Not looking too good. <laughs> the debate to return Alexandria back to the state of Virginia lasted for years. But finally, on July 9, 1846, a bill was passed to return Alexandria to Virginia. As you can imagine, with the city's significant role in slavery in America, the city also played an important role in the civil rights movement. Alexandria played host to the first sit-down strike in American history. On August 21st, 1939, civil rights lawyer Samuel W. Tucker sent five young African Americans to conduct a peaceful protest in front of a whites-only library at 717 Queen Street in Alexandria. The five men were arrested for disorderly conduct, but the charges were soon dropped. In September, the court agreed that the African-American citizens of Alexandria had the right to a library, and the Robert H. Robinson Library was constructed. Nice. Yeah. Today, the city of Alexandria is so nice, it was recently named a top three best small city in the U.S. by the Condé Nast Traveler Reader's Choice Awards. Oh, and I looked it up. Number three is Aspen, Colorado. Or not number three. <laughs> number one. <laughs> Alexandria is number three. Number one is Aspen, geez, Aspen, Colorado. <laughs> and number two is Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. Oh, nice. The city boasts more than 200. Wait. What? What's the number one? <laughs> no, number one is Aspen. Oh, number one is Aspen. Oh, sorry, I oh, confused okay. you. Yeah, I think you, yeah, you confused me. <laughs> Number one is Aspen, number two is Charleston, and number three is Alexandria. <laughs> yeah, the order there was important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mostly just listened to it because I was curious who was on this list. Number three is Charleston, and number one is Aspen. Guess what else number was on Number five is Toledo. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> Jacksonville? No. Oh, God, no. Um, Honolulu? Key West. <gasps> Oh, we yeah. just covered Key West. Yeah, I thought that was cute. <laughs> kind of. I don't know. Okay. The city boasts more than 200, the city being Alexandria, boasts more than 200 independent restaurants and boutiques. There are plenty of museums and their King Street is dubbed one of the great streets of America. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it seems like a really cool town. Just like very local vibe happening mm -hmm. there and historic like, like you could get like, like if, some freaking like artisan honey yes and breads if you're a yelper <laughs> this is your heaven Bruh. <laughs> you are gonna be in heaven <laughs> yeah art artisanal honey artisanal <laughs> artisanal it's a z not a s artisanal <laughs> artisanal. <laughs> you can tell i don't partake in these fancy words very often <laughs> Anyways, okay. And not surprisingly, the city is super haunted. There are three famous ghost stories in the city, one of which we will talk about today. And there are plenty of other haunted historical sites that you can visit. It was very hard to pick topics because there were so many to choose from. So we're going to make this a two-parter. Yes. Awesome. Mm hmm. So what's your story, Rye? I think you're doing the, the one of the most famous stories. Yes, I am doing my story on the Gatsby's Tavern Museum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Gadsby's. The Gadsby's. Gadsby's. <laughs> Not Gatsby's. Not Gatsby. Okay. 
Yeah, so the Gatsby's Tavern Museum has been around since before Virginia became a state. It was opened in 1785, three years before Virginia received its statehood. Oh, wow, that's old. It's very old. The Tavern Museum is actually made up of two connected 18th century brick brick buildings that were built seven years apart, and they are connected by a staircase. What? Yeah. Wait, is one above the other? Yeah, one's like, a little, one's like three stories, and the other's like smaller. Huh. <laughs> it's like one story. Weird. In 1782, John Weiss bought the corner lot and constructed the tavern in 1785. It was and still is a perfect spot for a pub, especially back in the late 1700s, because it was located in the heart of Alexandria's business district. Mm-hmm. It was located on the first national highway called the Royal Highway and provided a clear route to Philadelphia, which was the United States capital at the time. Wow, I bet they're getting a lot of foot traffic. A lot of that foot traffic, for sure. So the tavern was a hot spot, actually, for the founders of America. No way. Oh, yeah. George Washington, as we mentioned earlier, often frequented the tavern. Oh, yeah. So did John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, Mm -hmm. James Monroe, and Marquise de Lafayette. Who's that? (laughs) We covered him. He played a pivotal role in helping uh, the U.S. gain their independence. Oh, my. Yeah, we talked about that. I forget what, maybe the Philadelphia episode? Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, <sighs> but they, I was just telling you, I learned, I learned <laughs> so much from doing this research and then not so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they all frequented the tavern. Wow. VIP. Mm-hmm. George Washington apparently went there quite a bit when he was in retirement at Mount Vernon. Mm-hmm. The tavern was only nine miles away from his home. Oh, yeah. In 1792, owner John Weiss decided to add on to the tavern by building the grand three-story brick building to be used as a high-end hotel. Oh, hell yeah. He called it the City Hotel, and it had a grand ballroom for special events on the second floor and an upper-class dining room on the first floor. Wow. Hotel rooms were also available off the ballroom and also on the third floor. Nice. Wise spared no expense when building the hotel. The ballroom was especially elegant and hosted many events. I would not want a room off the ballroom. No. <laughs> Be loud. It's like the most convenient spot because you can just stumble into stumble your hotel. Back. Yeah. yeah. But what if you didn't want to partake in the ballroom activities and you want to chill in your room? Oh, like a hermit? <laughs> <laughs> like me. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm just trying to read my books. <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess that would not be, I guess you probably want a third floor room. I have to request another room. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, in 1796, an Englishman named John Gatsby became the proprietor of the Tavern Hotel when he leased the tavern from Weiss. It was after Gatsby took over where the tavern boomed with social and political events. Okay. In 1797 and 1798, George Washington had his birthday celebrations in the second floor ballroom. Then in 1799, he officially gave his last military review of troops, and he also gave his last order while standing on the steps of the tavern. Oh, my. Yeah. It wasn't just Washington having all the fun there, too. Okay. Uh, Thomas Jefferson held his 1801 inaugural banquet there in the Grand Ballroom. What? Oh, my God. This place. When did the White House, when was that built? Like, wouldn't they just do it there? I mean, I guess they (laughs) could. Let's do it at the tavern. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I mean, it's a dope tavern. Okay. A lot of people are going down there. (laughs) Sounds like it. It's a place to be. Um. Gatsby remained the proprietor until 1808 when he moved to Baltimore, Maryland. Then in 1815, John Weiss unfortunately died, and the property passed through several owners. It was ran as a hotel, lawyer's offices, and auction houses. It has an auction house. The hotel did remain open during the Civil War, and it is believed that it became a temporary hospital at the time for wounded soldiers. As did every other building. Oh, yeah. Now, I don't know if they actually have a record of that, but mm. it's what I read during my uh, research. I believe it. Yeah. Um, about 100 years after Wise's death, the city hotel was in terrible shape, 
and the tavern and ballroom were not able to make up as much money as it used to be able to when the hotel was operating. Hmm. So then in 1917, the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York, or the Met, negotiated with then owners to purchase the architectural elements of the hotel. (laughs) That's weird. Yeah, yeah. They ended up purchasing a lot of the original woodwork of the ballroom and ended up creating a replica of the hotel's ballroom with the woodwork that they purchased. I don't like that. (laughs) They just took it? They basically, well, they bought it, yeah. Because they were in like such a need for like money. Um, I don't know why they just didn't buy the whole place, but maybe they weren't willing to sell. Um, then threatening demolition, preservation efforts were started to restore the tavern and city hotel to its former glory. The efforts were spearheaded by F. Clinton Knight and carried on by the American Legion Post 24. Good old American Legion. Oh, yes. Then in 1976... The buildings were reopened by the city of Alexandria as a museum and still operates as one today. Okay. Damn, it's not a tavern anymore? No, uh, they still have the taverns. Oh, more, separate. Yeah, I mean, it's more or less a museum, but they still do dining and stuff. Okay. There. And you can actually, like, they have a mix of menus. So you can get, like, newer, new-aged meals that are more, like, modern and stuff and, like, just really fancy meals. Or you can get, like, a something, like, Based from the past. Oh, they have my. different types of dinners there, too. Just huh. depends on the menu for the night, I guess. Cool. But it sounds really awesome. Like I said, a Yelper's <laughs> Paradise. Paradise. Yeah, so you might get some, uh, you know, a menu from what it could originally have looked like back oh. in the late 1700s. That's 1800s. awesome. Yep, yep, yep. So now let's get on to the hauntings. That's what's we're out. That's what we're all here for right yeah i'm here for it the most famous haunting at the gadsby's tavern museum is the ghost of the female stranger oh yes and then she is in fact strange is she what is she wearing (laughs) we'll get to that okay her story dates back to 1816 when she and her husband got off a boat that arrived from the west indies they went to the city hotel and booked room number eight. 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 Got it. The woman was described as wearing a black veil and was beautiful by all accounts. Okay. But she had also looked extremely ill when she had arrived. Mm. The couple themselves were very odd. Over the course of a few days, the woman's condition deteriorated and the man called for a doctor and two nurses. But here's where the strangeness kind of comes in. He refused to give his his name or his wife's name to them. In fact, he made every worker at the hotel take oaths of secrecy. <laughs> what? So that they would not reveal their identities. Who are these people? Right? right? About three weeks later, the woman's condition did not improve, and she died on October 14th, 1816. Mm. So this is a, a real story. This actually happened. Okay. So Ooh. this isn't just like a, a ghost story. This is like... An actual historical event. Okay. The husband borrowed money from a local man that he used to pay for a beautiful tombstone, and she was buried at St. Paul's Cemetery off of Duke Street. Okay. The tombstone features a beautiful poem and only addressed the woman as the female stranger. What? Yes. Oh my God, he's like doing this even after death? He doesn't want... Yeah, it's like, like, it's like very weird. Like why... It's like he's wanting attention almost, it seems like. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't want the attention. You know what I mean? It's, know what I mean? Yeah. It's very bizarre. <laughs> uh, so her husband eventually skipped town and didn't pay for anything. <laughs> wow. Not the hotel bill, the doctor's bill, or even the money he borrowed for the funeral. Shiesty. Nothing. Yeah. So no one exactly knows, obviously, who they were. <laughs> so they came to town. <laughs> creepy as fuck like gothic motherfuckers right <laughs> she was ill she died mm-hmm. and then he was like i'm done yeah <laughs> like, i came here for my wife to die it's like <laughs> yeah we're just gonna like have her die here is that, okay? is that yeah, cool is this a cool dying place <laughs> well, we're not gonna pay for anything either. yeah like you guys have good medical care good <laughs> cemetery it looks like it's not one over there <laughs> right <laughs> oh man 
but yeah, so no one knows who they were, but there are a few theories. Okay. okay? So one is that it was Aaron Burr's daughter, Theodosia, who was thought to have died at sea four years prior while taking a boat to meet her father who was trying to return to New York. Hmm. The, the suggestion is that she may have faked her death so that she could elope her husband. But this one is unlikely as the timelines didn't exactly match up mm. so well. And also, like, Theodosia really admired her dad, I guess, and loved her dad. So it seems unlikely that she would, like, do something against his will. But mm. I don't know. Love makes you do crazy things, right? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that one, there's kind of some people doubting that one. Another okay. theory that is more kind of generic in general is... It was an aristocratic woman who eloped a commoner man and it was frowned against where she was from. So that explained why they couldn't pay for anything because they had no money. They kind of just hitched a ride over here and she got sick and died. So that Mm. one's just kind of like a general. So these are like women that married someone that they shouldn't have. Oh, yeah. But there is another theory. Let people love. This one's kind of cool. Okay. So there's another theory where the female stranger's name is actually Blanche Forden. (laughs) That name, Blanche. It's Forden or Fordan. I don't know. I just like the first name. F-O-R-D-A-N. Fordan. (laughs) Blanche Fordan. Sounds like a woman named Blanche. It's Fordan. Yeah. (laughs) For office. (laughs) Go Dan. Go Dan. Um, she was in love with a man named John Trust. Okay. Then this other guy comes in named John Rowe. Jeez, I was telling John. (laughs) Rowe was apparently known for black magic and hypnotism. Okay. He eventually hypnotized Blanche, then got her on a boat. (laughs) While in transit, he marries her while she is hypnotized. (laughs) What? Yeah. You're following along, right? She gets sick during the travel, and they stop in Alexandria for her to recover. And on her deathbed, (laughs) she somehow comes to, out of her trance, Mm -hmm. is upset because she's, like, dying, and she's with this John Rowe guy. And she apparently turns to this John Rowe guy guy and is like, I don't love you. I love John Trust. Please let him know I said that to him. And then she died. (laughs) I'm (laughs) Who? What person made up the most elaborate story ever? I don't know. Sounds like it could be real. Hypnotism, though. I've never heard of hypnotism and, like, being used to capture or, like, abduct somebody. Really? Never. That's, like, smart, though. Yeah. That should happen more often. That is another another theory. Um. <laughs> That's my favorite. Oh, Blanche. She oh, was trying Blanche. to get with the man she trusted. John. Uh, poor Trust. Blanche. Yeah. Seems convenient, last name. <laughs> but this is, this next one is my favorite theory. And I'm just going to go ahead. There's another theory? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm just going to go ahead and say that it's true. Okay. <laughs> I like that. So my favorite theory. theory and, the, and the true one. And the true one, <laughs> which is proven by me with no... <laughs> Sources or evidence. Just like 24 hours of research. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, my favorite theory is that the woman wasn't even a woman, but a man. Oh. And not just any man, but Napoleon Bonaparte. <laughs> oh, my golly. So homosexuality wasn't very mm-hmm. chill at the time. So he decided to flee and be with his lover. Yeah. Um, so the thought is he tried to skip town after he was exiled uh, he was exiled to the island of St. Helena in 1815, where he was thought to die of cancer in 1821. But the timelines kind of match up a bit. Okay. I don't know if there's a body or not. There probably is. I didn't do that much research. But <laughs> Somebody fact check this. Somebody fact check that. <laughs> but I just like the idea that Napoleon Bonaparte was like in a black film. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Going to extreme lengths yeah. to be with his lover. Yeah. But that's like the most wild one, but that is wild. That it's definitely my favorite. Yeah. 
But in any case, the apparition of the female stranger is seen quite often at the Gatsby's Tavern Museum. She is often seen dressed in an evening gown. Uh-huh. And she likes to crash events in the ballroom. Ooh. So she's not a like an angry ghost, but kind of described as like a sad oh. and oftentimes jovial. She oh. likes hanging out for the parties. Hit or miss. Okay. I guess it depends on the night. Mm. Um, one story uh, was around the turn of the 20th century. A young man was at an event in the ballroom when he saw the female stranger from across the room dressed in a beautiful 19th century gown. She smiled at him, and she was also like full-bodied, didn't look like an apparition at all. Otherwise, he probably would have been freaked out. Yeah. But when she smiled at him, he walked across the room to ask for a dance. But as he got closer, she started to float out the door and disappeared (sighs) outside room number eight. Oh, my God. Yeah. So room eight is the hot spot for her because that is the room that she had died in, obviously. Yeah. But also the city hotel itself and the tavern, it's just all around. She's all, all over the place. Okay. But room eight is kind of where the hot spots are. Oftentimes, uh, the sound of a woman crying can be heard outside of room eight. Ugh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Her apparition has also been seen wandering in room eight while holding a candle. Mm. And oftentimes, people see candles floating by themselves about the tavern. Oh, God. Yeah. She has also been seen in the downstairs dining room sitting by herself at a table, possibly waiting for her husband to join her. Maybe one of the creepiest stories of her comes from a college student working as a waitress at the tavern while she was on her summer break. Okay, I'm ready. On her first day, she was grabbing an order from the kitchen to bring to her table. When she grabbed the food and turned around, the ghost of the female stranger appeared right in front of her in semi-solid form, Mm. staring right at her. Oh, my God. It startled startled her, of course, and she dropped the order and ran straight out the room. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's that one's kind of like the creepiest one to me because it's like a surprise. And she's just staring. Yeah, staring. Probably wanting to place an order. Maybe she's hungry. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I've been sitting alone at my table forever. Nobody's coming to me. Where's the service? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah. So that is the story of the female stranger. So she's just wearing an evening gown. Yeah. No color. (sighs) Yeah. um, She's been seen in her black veil as well. But she's seen in several things, an evening gown, 19th century gown. She's just living it up there. Yeah. She's like, you know what? I didn't get to enjoy it while I was living, so I'm going to yeah. enjoy it in death. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's the story of the female stranger and, uh, and the Gatsby's Tavern Museum. Um, one other cool note is that there's actually a beer named after her, oh. which I really wish we could have got for the pod, but... That'd be amazing. Yeah. I don't. I think it might be only out around October, hmm. um, but it's called Long Black Vale, and is made by Port City Brewing Company in Virginia. Okay, but where yeah, is the brewery at in Virginia? I think it was in Alexandria, actually. I was gonna say, I bet they have like tons of breweries too. Yeah, let me double check that. All these fancy towns. But uh, what Long, kind of beer is it? It's like a stout. Yeah, it's like a stout. Um, Port City. Yeah, brewery in Alexandria, Virginia. Okay, so um, Untapped calls Long Black Vale an IPA with black slash Cascadian dark ale. Black IPA. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've heard of those. Yeah, it sounds good. I kind of want to try it. Mm-hmm. So when we go to Alexandria, <laughs> we need to go around October. We have a lot of traveling to do. <laughs> yeah. Just add it to the list, baby. A lot of traveling, no money. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so that is, again, uh, Gatsby's Tavern Museum. So what do you think, spookometer-wise? I really enjoyed that. I would give it a... (laughs) Seven. Okay. I'm going to go with an eight. Okay. Yeah. I was between six and seven. Oh, okay. Well, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. 
All right. Why do you give it? I'll, an I'll eight? tape it. I tape it. I just like the story. The story. Yeah, it, is, <laughs> it just like in general is creepy for sure. Okay, so I'll I'll taper it back down to a seven. No, don't do what you do. Like, all right, all right, no, all right. Do right. you? I'm not telling I'll, you I'll what to it, do. I'll keep it an eight because I like me. Do you want to take a break and then move on to the next story? Yeah, let's take a break. All right. Okay. We have another story for you. And Christine, what is your story about? My story is about the Woodlawn Plantation. The Woodlawn Plantation. Yeah. I like it. Let's go. What's it about? What's it about? Woodlawn Plantation is a stately plantation home with ties to our first American president, George Washington. GW, back at it. It's just like the main thing in the city, man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) As you should be. Yeah. Located just south of Alexandria's historic district, Woodlawn Plantation is part of George Washington's estate on Mount Vernon. The estate is estimated to be about 8,000 acres. Damn. That's big. The home was a gift from Washington to his step-granddaughter, Nellie, and her husband. Nice gift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For a step-granddaughter. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Although George Washington never had any children of his own, he became a stepfather when he married the widowed Martha Custis. Martha had two children, Jackie and Patsy, from her previous marriage. Nellie was one of Jackie's four children after he married. But when Jackie died, when Nellie was just two and a half years old, she and her brother, George Washington Park Custis, who they called Wash, were sent to live with George Worsh. Worsh. <laughs> right, wouldn't that be so annoying if people said Worsh instead of Wash? <laughs> Our first president, George Washington. Washington. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so unfortunate. Mm. Well, unfortunately, I do not say Worsh. So. <laughs> uh, Nellie and her brother were sent to live with George and Martha. Nellie and Wash's mother, Eleanor, came to an agreement with George and Martha to have them raise her two youngest children. The mother, Eleanor, became very ill after her pregnancies, so she could not care for her young children. Apparently, she had a total of 20 pregnancies in her lifetime. (laughs) Yeah. And Nellie and Wash were her third and fourth pregnancies, so she was just getting started. (laughs) Oh my God. She got ill with them. So I'm like, how is this woman, like, what was she doing? Holy crap. Sound pretty dumb. (laughs) Nellie was raised by her grandparents, George and Martha Washington, and she would eventually marry George Washington's nephew, Major Lawrence Lewis, in 1799. As a wedding present, George Washington set aside 2,000 of his 8,000 acres of Mount Vernon to build a home for the newlyweds. Wow. Unfortunately, Washington died soon after Nellie and Major Lawrence Lewis's marriage, but construction on the home continued in 1800 and was finished in 1805. The couple went on to have eight children. Two of them died at Woodlawn, Four would grow to be adults, but only one would live longer than Nellie. Whoa. <laughs> like a lot of deaths. Tough times. Yeah. Well, Tough their, times. Kids were like really confusing to figure out what yeah. happened to all of them. But that was basically what I found in, okay. in short. When Nellie's husband died in 1839, she went to live with her son, Lorenzo, and his wife, Esther, on their plantation. Nellie would enjoy her time at her son's plantation called Audley Plantation. She also enjoyed spending time with her six grandsons. Nellie had a stroke in 1850 and eventually died on July 15, 1852 on Audley Plantation, but her body was taken to Mount Vernon and she was buried near her grandparents. Nellie's home at Woodlawn Plantation was sold before her death in 1846 to Quaker timber merchants. The merchants were a free labor community who worked to promote equality and reject slavery. The home went on to be purchased by two separate owners who did some restoration work on the home. 
Then in 1925, a senator from Alabama moved into the home and lived there until his death in 1929. I think four years. That's it. That's it. I feel like a lot of times we talk about these people that have these like grand homes and either they like never got to live in them (laughs) or they only lived in them for like a couple of years and then they died. Yeah. (laughs) It's like so unfortunate. Yeah. (laughs) Like took them so long to build things. (laughs) Like, oh, great. Thank you. It's finally finished. Finally Yay. finished after six and years. Dead. <laughs> <laughs> <And dead. laughs> By 1949, it became a historic site and a museum. There are lots of ghost stories surrounding the Woodlawn Plantation. There's even a book by Julie McElhaney called Ghost Stories of Woodlawn Plantation. wonder if it's any uh, relation to Rob McElhaney. Yeah, is it? No, because this McElhaney. is spelled different. Oh. Hers is like McElhaney. McElhaney. Like E-N-E-Y or whatever. Okay. So now. Okay. Kind of mad me with your spelling. <laughs> okay. Spell much? <laughs> no. The most famous ghost to haunt the plantation is none other than George Washington himself. No shit. Yeah. Weird, All right. right? All right. <laughs> Even though Washington died before the home was completed, he was seen many times riding his horse up to the property to check on the progress of it when he was alive. What? Whoa. (laughs) His ghost is seen riding a white horse up and down the drive. Maybe he's checking on things after death. That is... Freaking cool. <laughs> yeah. I also feel like, no, that's not what I want to be doing when I die. Yeah, true. But as an alive person, I would like to see that. That's true. <laughs> That'd be pretty majestic. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Oh. <laughs> In Julie McElhaney's book, she describes a haunting of George Washington. She tells of a time when a photo was taken inside Woodlawn. The picture was of a chair in the home, but at the bottom of the chair was a strange buckled shoe. Could it be George Washington's foot as he was relaxing in the home after a long night of riding his horse? (laughs) Oh my God, 100%. I hope that's true. (laughs) It's just his shoe. He's like, oh, fuck, I forgot to, I forgot to hide my shoe. <laughs> it goes Washington, leaving, leaving his buckled shoes around again. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> Sloppy ass. Uh, yeah. The home is also thought to be haunted by a former owner named John Mason. Mason had a wooden leg, and they say you can hear the wooden leg going up and down the stairs. Oh. That would be so painful. To have a peg leg. Back then? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, back then it would be, like, extremely painful, I feel like. <laughs> I mean, how did they even attach them? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Probably not too far different from how they do it today. But I'm just thinking, like, how did they treat that not shit Not too far then? different than how they do it today. Wow, all the prosthetic makers out there. Well... I mean, the attaching is probably very similar. I feel like it was just a really hollow (laughs) stump (laughs) supporter. And you just go... (laughs) He just put his little stump in the thing and it's like a little... There's like a little hole for it? sat inside. (laughs) Oh, okay. Like probably no straps. No, you just think you... Probably like had to hold it while he was walking up the stairs so it wouldn't fall off. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I'm just thinking like pirates. <laughs> I imagine him with like a thing over his eye. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. I'm imagining a pirate when I think of his wooden leg. So what I have taken so far from this podcast is <laughs> uh, George Washington. Wait, this episode or podcast in general? The entire podcast. Okay. No. This episode. Okay. So, what I've taken so far from this is that George watches George Washington, Washington, George Washington, George Washington, sloppy as fuck, leaving his buckle shoes all over the place. <laughs> I don't know how prosthetics work. 
It yeah. uh, confuses the hell out of me. As it should. And Napoleon Bonaparte <laughs> might have dressed like a lady. Might have. He came to Alexandria. Probably. Anyways. We're saying it's true. We're saying it's true. Anyways, please continue. <laughs> <laughs> there are also several specific rooms in the home that tend to be more haunted than others. The first room thought to be very haunted is the Lorenzo room. Lorenzo. Lorenzo. Yeah. That was um, Nellie's uh, son's name. I don't know if it's her firstborn. I think it's her firstborn son. Esther, husband. Yeah. The one that she went to live with. Or Esther. Yeah, Esther. In this upstairs bedroom, there is an armoire that tends to open and close on its own. Ooh. Think the conjuring when the mother and daughter are playing hide and seek. Uh, no, <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Don't like it. That movie is so scary. It is. Ugh, just thinking about it gives me nightmares. Yeah. If you guys haven't watched The Conjuring, do. <laughs> yeah. Do so. And then go to sleep. Yeah. It's going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, it's freaky. And that is that is exactly like that part of the movie. Yeah, it opened up. By itself. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. <laughs> People also report being touched while visiting this room and also hearing strange noises. Being touched? Touchy, touchy. Touchy, like sexually? <laughs> Not sexual. Oh. I'm assuming. Probably like a tap on the shoulder or like a pulling of the hair. Oh, okay. Another upstairs bedroom that is haunted is the Lafayette room. In this room, they describe an incident where a child was moved from their crib to the top of a dresser after the mom had put the child in the crib. Are you serious? Yeah. That's fucked. That would make me live I'd be so pissed. I'd be like, we're leaving. We're leaving. I'm like, I'm bringing this fucking house down. Yeah. Fuck you, ghost. Don't mess with my child. Right. Put my child in danger. Yeah. Then I would jump on that, that white horse that... JW head and we or GW GW <laughs> GW and we would get the fuck out of there. I'm glad I'm not the only one who confuses G's and J's. Dude, it happens far too often. All the time. The name Gerald. I'm a 32 year old man. <laughs> I'm trying to raise a son, and, and I can't get those right. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. No, seriously, the name Gerald. I mean... It can be spelled with a G or a J. Yeah. I feel like more common with a G. G, yes. But sometimes it's J. Mm-hmm. And it really fucks with me. <laughs> when somebody says their name's Gerald, I'm like... <laughs> like can you spell that for me? <laughs> and then when they say G, and I'm like, J? No. They <laughs> <I> said G. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what I've taken from this podcast is... <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Okay, people also say in the Lafayette room, they see a figure in the window when no one is home. Probably the same dude that's picking up babies and taking them out of the cribs. Putting them on top of dressers? On top of dressers. That motherfucker? <laughs> I was like, this I is would, a good spot. I would hope that motherfucker would come in solid form. We would be at right. fisticuffs. Oh, you're going to fight. I would fight that dude. Feet put my baby on a dresser. Come at me. <laughs> yeah, I would totally go all Zach Bagans on their ass. Mm -hmm. As you should. 100%. Yeah. The owner's suite on the main floor is also thought to be haunted with cold spots and glimpses of shadow figures in this room. Ooh. General. And like pictures of uh, <laughs> uh, images slash... Buckled shoes. Buckled shoes strewn about. <laughs> strewn about or hiding underneath a curtain. <laughs> Sitting next to a chair. Hiding underneath a curtain. <laughs> oh, man. In general, you may see figures in old-fashioned clothing floating and waking people up all throughout the home. That's fucked. <laughs> That's just casual. <laughs> just floating around in their, like, their yeah, old garb. <laughs> Good day. Good day to you. <laughs> I'm just off to put an infant on top of a dresser. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
That was good. Yeah. That was That's your... my impression of <laughs> them back laughed. in the day. <laughs> That's good. Lots of other unexplained things happen throughout the home, including loud bangs, random sounds of music playing, footsteps, pictures falling off walls, doors slamming, and just things falling off shelves. Just This place sounds haunted as fuck. Just a lot of stuff happening. A lot of things happening there. That is that is crazy. Like, get ready if you're going to go there. Yeah, I want to I want to experience it. You want to stay in the Lafayette room. Just kidding, I don't want to stay there. Is it the Marquise de Lafayette room? <laughs> Maybe. Mm. Of all the hauntings at Woodlawn, probably the most frightening is the story of the Well of Souls. The Well of Souls? Yes. Okay. The well is found in the basement of the home and is thought to be a gateway for spirits. Oh my God, this reminds me of The Ring. <gasps> remember that yes so scary yeah so scary god that scared me tv scared me oh yeah if it was the like the staticky mm-hmm. the old school yeah i would be like turn off turn off turn off 100 percent. because she'd be coming she'd be coming for you you know it didn't matter <laughs> she would just turn it on automatically she would yeah oh god so scary seven days yeah that was what it was seven days Mm. yeah because normally wells are found like outside of homes because people are freaked out about that stuff but it would really about that stuff yeah like spirits coming in and out of them yeah no shit i think that's why they originally did that oh okay cool i don't know that's what this article said but i believe (laughs) because that would freak me out um, but in this home, the well was in the basement. So I don't know. Like, what's the difference between a well in the basement and like a sump pump? Yeah, I don't know enough about sump pumps. But it was just like a hole with water in it. Right. Pumped the water out. Yeah, I don't know. That's, I guess it's different than a well. I mean, it's not drinkable water. Right. I'm just trying to think the house I grew up in had a sump pump in it so did ours and it like always fucking flooded yeah ours did too not all the time but it was a concern like every time we had a storm <laughs> we had a rain it was like fucking sump pump gotta monitor my it. dad had to go stay down there like all night oh god oh that's freaky anyways i just thought make sure that. the pump keeps running yes um, but yeah, this well is found in the basement of the home and is thought to be a gateway for spirits. When the lid to the well is open, they say the hauntings remain under control because the spirits can freely come and go. But when the lid is closed, this frustrates the spirits because they can't cross over. They also say that when they have closed the well and tried to place items on top of the lid, things got a little crazy. They stated that the items would be thrown across the room by an invisible force and things would come crashing down to the floor. Oh my God. Weird. The well now has a piece of plexiglass over the opening, but the plexiglass doesn't seem to have an effect on the hauntings. So they can get through <laughs> the plexiglass, but not like a stone covering. I don't know. <laughs> Yo, that's, that's what's up. Yeah. Plexiglass. That's good for spirits. Good for spirits. Thumbs up. <laughs> What if you get a blessed if that helps? Maybe. Probably. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, what do you think? What do you think? I mean, I don't know how you fucking did it, but I'm going to go with a nine. What? No. No. Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff there. There's a lot of good haunting stuff. I just had one story, interesting story about a ghost. You had like a shit ton of hauntings. That's true. There are more. Going on there. Yeah. I thought I was definitely going to win with mine. but I did too. I thought you were going to win. I thought uh, I gave you the winning one. I don't know. That one is really good. I like that one a lot. That was very scary. Very scary. Particularly because it made me think of The Conjuring and The Ring. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Those are like... Top two scaries. Top two scaries for me. The Ring, definitely back in the day, that was like one of the scariest fucking movies mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Yeah. That scared me for years. Yeah. <laughs> Until I saw Scary Movie when they spoofed it. Scary yeah. Movie 3. <laughs> I was like, 
This shit's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did a good job with that. But uh, okay. yeah, I'm going nine. What, okay. What, just on the off chance, what do you? What do you? What were you gonna give it? I would give it like a seven or an eight. Okay, so similar. Yeah. To what uh, you gave mine. Yeah, I think you won again. Well, like you won the last. I won the time. last one, but uh, I think you uh, retained the no more the, uh, the crown. No more a barrel age shit. <laughs> <laughs> For now. For now. Those were two really good stories, and I can't believe we're gonna have more on Alexandria. But the city just lends itself to yeah. hauntings. But anyways, that's going to do it for the first part of this episode. Mm, of this city. Of the city, Alexandria, Virginia. So, Christine, can you tell the listeners where they can find us on social media? Yes, on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Spookified Podcast and on Twitter at Spookified Pod. Also, we want to hear from you. Send us an email to spookifiedpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your scary stories. Tell us how we're doing. If you want us to cover a city or a topic, let us know or just say hi. Yeah. Or if you have any more information on the city of Alexandria. Yeah. Or anything on the Gatsby's Tavern Museum. Yeah. Or the Woodlawn <laughs> Plantation. Yeah. Just let us know. Yes. We'd love to hear it. And uh, we might feature you on a future episode. And mm-hmm. also don't forget to rate and subscribe. And if you like what you're hearing, tell your family and friends. And as always, thank you for listening. Yes. Thank you. Bye. Bye.